0: In today's show we're talking NBA free agency, previewing the players that could change teams. Who's the biggest name? I think it's going to be Fred VanVleet. We'll talk about that, all the free agents, unrestricted, restricted, and Michael Bolton. Thanks Josh. It's Michael Bolton here and it's time for another episode of The Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at redrock underscore b ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b ball, and on Instagram. At Locked On Fantasy Basketball, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So again, a reminder that in the coming weeks there are going to be some shows that get pre-recorded. So I do apologize if things do happen um, with those shows because I'm going to be heading over to uh, the states to Las Vegas Summer League. So I won't have the studio there, obviously. And we'll do a summer league recap when I get back from there. But this is not one of those pre-recorded shows. I'm recording this right now, right here on June 28th. We just got news that Nikola Vucevic. Vucevic. It's Vucevic. It's, it bolse it. Thanks for clearing that up, Perk. Um, he has signed with the Bulls three years, $60 million dollars. No word on if there's any partial guarantees in the third year. There probably should. And Vucci is a totally fine player, right? In in a vacuum, is he probably worth $20 million a year this year? Probably yes. He did decline somewhat. He is totally solid. You've got to be really careful with drafting him because some sites will list him with like total value as the 10th best player because he played in so many games, and you should not touch him anywhere near that range. But my problem with the Bulls is... There's so many ways. I don't know. How we get into it. We're into free agency in a second, but this is a move that just happened today. Um, is it what does this do for you? Uh, yeah, okay. You can say you trade him and oh, we'll trade him. We'll sign him and then we'll trade him later on. Eh, whatever. That's all. It's always well and good to have that thought process What it doesn't come to fruition that often. This just locks you in again at being mediocre. And two of your best three players are one year further removed from their prime in DeRozan and Vooch. They're both older, they're both still solid enough. And in a vacuum, they are good players. But it doesn't do anything for this team. And I'm not saying that, like, if you hadn't have signed Vooch and you had have let Andre Drummond be your starting center, or you go out and sign, we'll talk about some of the other free agent centers on the market, and sign one of those guys to jump in there, that it would have made you better. But that's not the point. That's not the point. Not trying. This team shouldn't be in a situation, or they can't be in a situation where they go, all it takes is getting Vooch back, and then we're ready for a conference finals run. You're gonna, you would have been better to try and let Vuc go, try and get a young center from somewhere, maybe move on from DeRozan or do whatever you need to do and actually reset properly. But this just prolongs the mediocrity. That's part of the problem. There's no real plan here. What does this do? It's not even a team where you go, well, we're a good team and we're going to win 50 games and provide our fans lots of fun the way that the Sixers do, even though there's a lot of those playoff failures. This is a team that is like a fringe playoff team. There might be 40 wins or 38 wins or 41 wins. And that's not exciting for the the, the team at all. It's Wizards. That's what the Wizards do. We aim for the play-in and we just persist with doing that. So while it is very easy to argue that, you know, there isn't a better option, although there is, and his name is Jakob Pertl and he plays in Toronto – as a center who could have been gotten off the free agent market. That's not the point. The point is, get, and if, if they then go ahead and turn Vooch into something good, they won't, because the trade to get Vooch was one of the worst trades in recent memories. In recent memory. They're not going to find that value. They might get what, two second rounders back. It doesn't do anything. Well, that might actually make them better because it makes them worse and gets them on an actual correct path to rebuilding and getting the team into the right position. So, all, it's why context is always important. All in all, Fine. $20 million for Vooch for this year makes sense. Twenty million next year, maybe a little bit of an overpay, no problem. Probably should be a $15 million guy, but the cap might go up in a couple of years. The third year, if it's non-guaranteed, partial guaranteed, all all fine. But it just means the team is locked into being this bullshit team that they currently are. And now, let's talk free agency after that little Vooch discussion. Where's my... Where's Warnie? Let's get it on. We'll start with restricted free agents because there are the more exciting players. uh, Yeah, To a degree, the more exciting players in restricted free agency. But of course, it is a lot harder to be able to get those guys onto your team. The guy that is going to surprise a lot of people, casual fans, that's not going to be you guys watching this, I'm guessing, is that Cam Johnson's going to get a lot of money. Cam Johnson's going to get $100 million guaranteed. He's going to get four years, $25 million plus, um, without almost any doubt. He is very much older as a restricted free agent, 27 versus most other guys who are 24, 25, by nature of the fact that he was like 24 when he was drafted, 23 when he was drafted. He is an elite shooter who, you know, I think he struggles in other areas of his game. He's not a very good defender. He's not a passer. Is he a high usage scalable player? Not really, but he's very, very useful on the right team. And there are going to be teams that go after him. Apparently the the word is the Pistons are going to be looking at him. Um, The Nets are obviously looking to bring him back. He would make a ton of sense replacing Isaiah Stewart in that lineup, but I just don't think Brooklyn's going to let him go. If they're going to be so stubborn and think that Mikael Bridges is a player that they build around as a number one option, then they're not just letting Cameron Johnson go for nothing because they've got delusions of where their team sits. Um, that's going to be, I think, pretty rude awakening for them come February, but they have delusions of where they sit and they're not going to let Cam go. So he's going to come back. He's going to play a full season in Brooklyn. He's going to be pretty good. He's going to be definitely a top 100 player in fantasy this year and probably for the next two or three years putting up maybe 18 points, three and a half, three, seven rebounds, that sort of stuff. He just lacks in a lot of the other areas. He's going to get a big contract, but he's going to not change teams. I don't have any, I don't really, you know, I know there was that report that the Nets wouldn't go over four years, a hundred million or whatever it was. And yeah, you know, maybe the Pistons go for 110. No problem. I still think the Nets would end up bringing that, bringing back and matching. The second name on that list is one that is a little bit harder to understand. And that's Miles Bridges. Because... Yes, we all know about the domestic violence situation from last year, and the fact that he didn't play, and then the NBA imposed this weird thirty-game suspension, and said that he's already served twenty of them. Even look, I don't, I don't get how you can say he served twenty of them when he. Didn't play at all last season. He wasn't on a team. Was there some underhanded agreement that he wouldn't be signed and it would count as a suspension? But why do you only count 20 games of last year that he missed instead of all 82? Was it, in fact, a 92-game suspension and he missed 82 of them? None of it makes sense. It's very much like, yeah, just just sit 10 games out. You'll be fine. It's just it's weird, right? None of the, the logic behind any of those decisions isn't there. But in terms of practicality, Bridges is going to miss the first 10 games of this upcoming season. And there were reports that all along the Hornets have been with him and they're going to bring him back. But now the sale of the Hornets from Michael Jordan to Gabe Plotchkin, does that change anything? Does do the new Hornets ownership have the stomach to bring back a guy that pled no contest to a horrific domestic violence charge? I don't know. Will any other team want to offer up big money for Miles Bridges? I don't know. The problem with Bridges here is you could easily say, well, you know, maybe he signs a, a one-year deal and they see like yeah, he rehabilitates his image and he plays well and then he gets back onto the market with a, a bigger contract after that. He can't be signed to an offer sheet that's less than three years. So any team that wants to go and get him, they can't say, we'll give you a one-year deal, uh, Miles, and then we'll see what happens. We'll get back onto the market. They have to offer three years out to him. If you offer three years at the minimum, he's not going to sign it. If you offer three years at a big number, that's you eliminate that PR situation. So... It's a it's a weird spot. I don't know how this is going to work out. Odds are, with nearly all restricted free agents, they end up back on their original team. Bridges is a little bit of a different story. He is going to be, I would say, a very good fantasy player next season, depending a little bit on the team, but you would think that he just slots into the Hornets' starting group ahead of another restricted free agent, who's under that under him on this list, PJ Washington, next to Brandon Miller, and probably goes back to, at minimum, top 75. Austin Reeves. He is also going to get a ton of money. There's a lot of restrictions on what he can be offered given he's only played two years in the league and the Lakers can't offer him this big deal initially, but they can match. And he's going to have a contract that looks pretty weird, most likely, that pays him like $37 million in year four and year five because the first two years are limited due to the rules. Um, He's going to get $100 million guaranteed. He's going to be worth it. He's going to be a fantasy draftable player and might, might, because I haven't done it yet, might end up a top 60, top 70 guy. But he is going to almost assuredly, end up with the Lakers. Nearly every team should be looking to get in on the Austin Reeves business if there is any inkling that the Lakers won't match. Now, I don't have that inkling. I believe the Lakers will match, so I don't think we're going to have that problem. But if there is any word of that, like the Utah Jazz, right? They don't have a particularly strong point guard situation. And by particularly strong, I mean it's terrible. Getting Austin Reeves in there to be a ball handler would be excellent for that team. Would the Houston Rockets get in on that business, even though they drafted a man, Thompson? I don't know, Maybe. He's a very good player, Austin Reeves. So he's going to get a contract that does surprise quite a lot of people. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy, but it's not daily fantasy with salary caps and contracts, not contracts, salary caps and contests with thousands of people. It's just you against player projections. They might put up their points or threes or rebound numbers. I wonder if they're going to do Summer League. Anyway, you put it out there and you can choose more or less. And then you do between two to six of those individual player projections into a lineup and you can win up to 25 times your entry feedback. It's so fast and easy. You can do these things in under 60 seconds. It's available in over 30 US states and most Canadian provinces and territories. And you can do it for lots of sports, not just basketball, baseball's running at the moment. You're going to have WNBA happening at the moment. You've got NASCAR, you've got MMA, you've got boxing, you've got PGA, and you've got, of course, the GOAT disc. Golf. Download the PricePix app or go to Pricefix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Let's look at the next page of... Oh, it's the wrong button. I know it is the right button, but it's the wrong slide that I put up. Let's get back because we didn't even talk about, we're running way behind time here. Let's talk about other restricted free agents. PJ Washington Jr., 24 years of age, was actually okay at times. He is wildly, wildly inconsistent and he does, he is the new man who has the, um, who has this sound drop. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. The problem there is Brandon Miller The problem there is Miles Bridges, and I don't know that he is retained by the Hornets. But he is one to watch who can block a shot, hit a three. He's not a bad rebounder. He's not a great one. He's just an okay player who probably probably is better suited to be a, a bench player. So he's one to watch. He was sort of draftable this season, but the situation is almost definitely for PJ going to be worse this year than what it was last season. Rui Hachimura. Age 25, restricted free agent. He is probably going to get overpaid. He had a couple of strong games in the playoffs, sure. He still remains not very good. He did have some good games, though. There is absolutely no doubt in that. But my issue with Rui consistently has been you don't take enough threes. You're inconsistent with defense. You don't pass enough. You just need the ball, and you need the shots to go in at a high level to be impactful. And he doesn't do it enough. Now, to me, there is no way that you would pay Rui Hachimura $15 million or more a year. No way. But I think somebody will, the Lakers probably will be that team. And he's still going to be a bench player for them. And he's going to, be there are times when he was literally out of the rotation. And it's another one of those narrative things. Well, you know, Rui, he was the Jokic stopper. Yeah, was he? He wasn't though. Like that was that narrative after game one. Oh, they solved Jokic. Rui did it. And he has those games where he goes seven out of eight. And then he goes two out of nine the next game. And you don't talk about it. So he still remains a bad fantasy player who won't be an option in most leagues. Grant Williams also restricted. I don't think he's going to be back in Boston, but who knows? With us there, it probably lessens that chance even more that he returns. He's probably not ever going to be an impactful fantasy guy, but he can be an okay on-court player. He did lose a ton of value this season with the way that Joe Mazzulla uh, reduced his playing time. I could see him getting a starting role somewhere. I-, I can, but is it going to be enough to matter for most fantasy leagues? Probably not. But he's probably going to get ten million plus a year. I would pay him more than I would pay Rui Hachimura, for example. I just think he's a more uh, more well rounded and a better contributor to winning than what Rui is. But I don't think he's going to get that much. You got Kobe White. He is um, Kobe White's a very interesting player to me who struggled a lot, but I thought came along quite well last season. If, and if I was the Bulls, and I am not because I would do nearly every move different to what they have done, if I was the Bulls. I would bring him back, and I would start him. Lonzo's not going to play next season. Dasumu is another restricted free agent who I don't think is very good. Goran Dragic isn't the answer. Caruso, maybe, but White took some steps forward. Now, that's what, again, if I was rebuilding the Bulls, I'd get, I wouldn't get. I would have signed Vooch. I would have maybe moved off to Rosen and seeing if I can build around White and Williams and see if they're not good, we get a good draft pick. If they are good, congratulations. He's not going to get a very big deal here, Kobe White. I think it might be like, it's three years, 35, three years, 40. I don't know. I think he's still got potential to be a starter. And if I was a team, I talked about this on yesterday's show or maybe the day before show, like the Spurs. Go out and get Cole Anthony. Go out and get Jalen Suggs from the Magic. There's too many guards there. Go and get Kobe White. I think he's a better player than Trey Jones. And I think he'd be awesome on the Spurs. That's the sort of move that I'd be doing to seeing what he can do. He's a very, very interesting player to me. Paul Reed, a restricted free agent, probably comes back to Philadelphia, probably doesn't get... Huge amounts of money, maybe $7 million a year, three years, 21, three years, 24, maybe. I think he's a solid enough backup center who probably can't ever be a full-time starter. In terms of restricted free agents, again, Trey Jones, the Spurs' current point guard, they would likely bring him back. He is by no means the answer there for them at point guard. He will be maybe draftable again at the end of fantasy drafts if he does move back into that role but there is a little bit more of a squish on with second year Malachi Branham second year Blake Wesley not that either of those are point guards necessarily Devontae Graham's in the building you get more minutes of Jeremy Sohan at point guard so Jones probably is somewhat limited but he still will be a draftable player and if he got three years 30 million I don't think I'd be surprised I don't think I'd be surprised Jackson Hayes Um, obviously didn't work out as the number eight overall pick in New Orleans and I would say he's very far out of their plans I don't know what their plans are at center because currently their plan is Jonas Valanciunas so I don't think he'll be back or impacting stuff Cam Reddish yeah who knows I don't think he's a good NBA player Romeo Langford similarly 23 year old guard in San Antonio Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker I thought he was really impressive last season, especially defensively. I don't think he's ever going to be a massive impact fantasy guy, but he would be a player that I will be looking at to bring in. He's got good size. He can play the one and the two. I think you want him more as a defender and an off-ball player when he has to create too much for himself. That's where the shooting can go really awry. If he could remold himself into like a Dennis Smith sort of a point guard, he's not the level of defender that Dennis Smith is, but he's much bigger. I think this, he'd be a, a a priority sort of target for me. Matisse Theibel, restricted free agent, already 26. We already know the limitations. Good defender, terrible offensive player. And at the high levels of the NBA, you can't play that guy. So that, that always leads to a problem there with him. He, he will get solid money. He probably will get 10 plus a year. But, you know, Portland probably brings him back and doesn't start him. Desumu, I just I just don't think he's a starter. I know he's 23. He had two years. He dropped off significantly last season. Back to... Really, he had a really hot start to his rookie career, and that carried over a lot of the reputation of Dasumu. I wouldn't be paying him like even a, a high level backup, honestly. I just don't think he's very good. And then Jock Landale. 27-year-old, um, backup center. The Suns will almost definitely bring him back. They'll almost definitely overpay him because of the second apron concerns with the Suns. They are in a situation where they can't go and sign other players um, and they need to bring guys in that they have the bird rights on and have them at inflated salaries that enables them that ability to trade them for other players. So getting them in on salaries like him and a Tori Craig, for example, or even a Bismack Biombo, on salaries that become easier to match in trades Versus what they are use or how they're useful as players. I still don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Ayton. The Suns are bullshitting their way saying he's the most valuable player in the world. Whatever they're saying, like it's clearly crap. But Landau will have some sort of value. I would expect on this team next season, and don't be shocked when he gets overpaid. Today's episode is brought to you by the Game Time app. Buying tickets to your favorite events doesn't need to be hard. It doesn't need to be stressful. In fact, if you use Game Time, it's easy. Because GameTime has their flash sales. You go on there, something's happening in your area tonight, bang, GameTime's got the tickets for you. They've got them cheap. They've got them available. You can go check the views from your seats so you know what you're going to be seeing when you get there, whether it's sporting events, comedy, theater, musicals, whatever it is, Game Time has it. Easy to find and buy tickets for every event in your area. And they've got their lowest price guarantee, the event cancellation protection as well. Don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals right up to the day of the event. And with the Game Time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you might find tickets in the same section at the same price, or sorry, if you find tickets at the same section and the same row for less, you'll get 110% of the difference credited back to you. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Cool stuff. All right, let's go on to the unrestricted free agents. The restricted took a lot longer than I thought. And when you get to the unrestricted free agents, you'll see that it is, uh, yeah, it's uh, rough. There's not very many good players available at all, and that is the way the NBA is trending. It's extensions, it's contracts being re-signed, Nasrid, Nikola Vucevic, Um, and trading, I think, is going to be way more important than free agency. You're going to see players move teams, and I think a lot of it is going to be trades rather than unrestricted free agency. We look at the point guards here. James Harden's 33, he's got a player option. It seemed like it was a fait accompli that he was going back to Houston. Now it seems like that's not going to happen and he's going to be back in Philadelphia, obviously impacting the upside of Tyrese Maxey and De'Anthony Melton for next season. Harden will still be good, but he's a year older, so he's a little bit of a discount down. It probably moves him from outside of the first round or in fantasy very much on the fringes of the first round. Um, injuries bothered him a lot last season. If he didn't have those injuries, he would have easily been a top six player. He ended up like 10th or 11th for the season, so he'll probably be around that 10, 11, 12 mark, I would guess. But that does impact the upside of Maxi and Melton. Kyrie almost undoubtedly is going back to Dallas He's going to get money there. He's going to be the same guy that he's always been. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Uh, How many games do we chalk up to Kyrie missing through to something that's absolutely unpredictable yet fully predictable with him? That's going to be the big question, but he is almost definitely going back to Dallas. Now, I think the biggest name player and the best player that is likely to change teams is Fred Van Vliet. He's only 29. He could go basically anywhere. It doesn't appear like he is coming back to Toronto he is a top 20 to top 30 fantasy player. That could change depending on where he goes. Does he go to the Lakers? Does he go to the San Antonio Spurs? Does he go to the Rockets? Do the Magic make a play? He could go anywhere. Do the Jazz get involved in the Fred Van Vliet business? Van Vliet is a good steals, good blocks, good assists, good threes, good scoring player who is going to be very bad at field goal percentage. Another reason why I think that field goal percentage is an outdated stat is and it doesn't really take into account the way that the NBA has played with three-pointers in there. But it is a category that is standard in Fantasy League, so we have to pay attention to it. But he's going to hurt you there. That doesn't take away from his value. He is almost definitely changing teams, and wherever he goes is going to have an impact on everything. Like, it's not just the value of Van Vliet that gets impacted. It's what happens in Toronto. Yeah, does that mean Scotty Barnes is their starting point guard? Or do they bring in D'Angelo Russell or Dennis Schroeder or Gabe Vincent to be their starting point guard? And then where Van Vliet goes. You go to the Lakers, so Russell's not coming back there. That Maybe that impacts Austin Reeves's value. Does he go to San Antonio and take touches away from Vassell and Johnson and move Trey Jones to the back or to the bench? I don't know why I said the back. He is, I think, the biggest fulcrum in this whole free agency class because he seems like he's going to change teams, and that impacts what happens with the Raptors. It impacts what happens with his new team, and then it impacts with other teams having to shuffle things around. So he is the biggest name, I think, that he's going to change teams. Um, and is going to have, or change teams through free agency and is going to have a big effect on the fantasy landscape, dynasty landscape, and NBA landscape. D'Angelo Russell's 27. He, I don't think he's going to be back in LA. Maybe they do bring him back, but they've got decisions to make on whether it is Fred Van Vliet or whether they bring back Russell or whether they bring back Schroeder or they just put the ball in Austin Reeves' hands full-time. Probably a good idea. Or they go Jalen hood Shafino. I don't think they do that. Uh, I don't think Russell will be back. I would D'Angelo Russell. I I know he's 27. I know he can be an okay player. I struggle to see where he goes and he is a starter. I, I who is doing that for Russell? Like I, the the names are always going to come up in point guard discussions. The Spurs, the Jazz, they need point guards. I could see it if he went to those teams that he would still be like a top 75 sort of a player. But we've seen D'Angelo Russell be useless in the playoffs. So good teams aren't going to want him. And I guess for fantasy, that's a good thing, because if he goes to a good team, he's never going to do anything. If he goes to a bad team, he can actually put up some numbers. So he's another interesting one. And then it gets very rough. I don't know if there's really any starting caliber point guards left after those four guys. And Russell is iffy anyway. You got Patrick Beverly. I expect he's back in Chicago and playing a 20-odd minute-a-night role and not really relevant for most leagues. Russell Westbrook. I expect that he is back with the Clippers, but they could still make moves. Westbrook won't be draftable, I don't think, given the minutes that he's likely to play with Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Eric Gordon, um, Kawhi, Paul George, obviously, as well. Like Westbrook probably will start, but will he sit games out or not close out games and play 27 minutes a night and still hurt your percentages? He probably still will get drafted, especially in points leagues. But I, I see, he, again, he's 34, so one year again, further removed from his prime. Was the end of last season a little bit of a mirage? Were well, the numbers he put up Because Kawhi and Paul George are out at times? Yeah, maybe. Dennis Schroeder, 29. Dennis Schroeder's turned himself into a solid enough defender. The shooting is always going to be a concern, but I always enjoy it when players can sort of mold their games to what they need to do to be successful or to survive. And and Schroeder's done that. Westbrook hasn't. Schroeder has done that. He's probably not going to be a starting guy. He needs to be in a situation where he is the number one usage option to be a fantasy uh, relevant player for standard leagues, and because he, he needs that usage because he's going to shoot so poorly. And then you've got Gabe Vincent. Maybe Gabe Vincent's the other starting caliber point guard that is available. Vincent is you know, had some moments there. I, I think if he comes back in Miami, and there is no Damian Lillard trade, then he will be the starter over Kyle Lowry, and he probably will be draftable, but he's going to be a guy that hovers around 100, 130 range with bad field goals, low assists at times, just a weird sort of situation, almost the way that Patrick Beverly has played at times, but without the defensive stats, where he's the point guard, but he's not really the point guard. It's Bam, and it's Jimmy who are running as point guard, or Tyler Hero, and he's sort of just sitting there in the corner, and he's getting some numbers, but it's wildly inconsistent. Some other point guards on the market. You've got Javon Carter, who's 27, probably comes back to Milwaukee. Reggie Jackson, 33. Don't know that he goes anywhere. Dennis Smith Jr.'s 25, elite defensive point guard. With the Hornets bringing back or bringing in Nick Smith and Amari Bailey, I'm not sure where Dennis sits. I think they might bring him back for another year or so and give him some backup minutes. He's probably not going to be draftable, though. Kendrick Nunn, no, like... The Wizards have got Morris and Jones and Wright. There's absolutely no need for him to be back. Corey Joseph, finally. Have we, are we done with Corey Joseph now that they drafted Marcus Sasser? I hope so. I don't think we get him back in Detroit. Uh, Ishmis, 34. DJ Augustin, 35. And Derek Rose, 34. Derek Rose is almost definitely going to the Bulls um, because that, that's they want to just jerk off on nostalgia. And then they've got Kobe White and Dasumu and Patrick Beverly and Caruso. Rose is not going to play. And it's just going to be to make the distract their fans from their otherwise uh, mediocre existence. Not the fans' mediocre existence, the organization's mediocre existence. The shooting guard list here. The top of the list. I don't, he's not really a shooting guard, but we've got to we've got to list these guys somehow. And that is Bruce Brown. I, I do think even though Denver can't offer him the most money, I do think he comes back to Denver on a one plus one deal for the maximum they can offer, which is about eight million, I think. Then he declines the player option the year after, then he can go out to ten years uh, to ten million, twelve million after that. If I was other teams, I'd be chucking fifteen million a year on him, but he works better on a good team. Like there's no point for him to go to the Rockets. Like it doesn't make that too much sense, even though they've got tons of money to spend. Brown is possibly going to be a standard league draftable player. It really does depend. And we saw last year when Murray would sit or KCP would be out or Porter would be out or Gordon would be out, that Brown basically stepped up into a larger role. And I think he'll be back in Denver playing the same sort of a role, making him a hard draftable guy, but a guy we're always looking to stream in. Jordan Clarkson, the man on the street. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. I said this on the Winners and Losers show yesterday, that the Jazz acquiring John Collins, to me, makes it more likely that Jordan Clarkson is back. Clarkson was pretty solid last season. He had some ups and downs, for sure, with his shooting numbers. He's 31. He's got a player option. He might even just pick up the player option. But I think that the Jazz will bring him back now because the fact that they are acquiring John Collins seems to me like they are maybe making a push back for the playoffs. And Jordan Clarkson gets you there while Oshae Baiji does not. So, and Clarkson's been a, you know, and we talk. I talked about this all of last season where people were just assuming that Clarkson was going to get traded. And I said, no, the Jazz love Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson loves Utah for whatever it's worth. He loves it and they love each other. And the ideal situation, if they are pushing back, then I think he will stay. That's my guess. I think he's going to stay in Utah. He's still going to be that same sort of player, a 20-pointish sort of a guy with three threes, with a few assists, who can run the offense on a team that doesn't have guards, and a late-round player with some field goal percentage issues. I think he's going to be back, and that puts that dampener on some of those younger guys, Horton, Tucker and Abaji in particular. Josh Hart has like a non-guarantee and a player option, which they've pushed back the data on that. I don't see any situation where Josh Hart is not back with the Knicks, leaving them still in that weird predicament where they've got Quickly and Barrett and Hart and Grimes and the guys aren't going to be able to reach their full potential. So I'm not sure that Barrett, Grimes or Quickly or Hart are even going to be top 100, Barrett's definitely not, top 100 draftable players in fantasy because there's just too many ups and downs. Like if one of those guys wasn't there, then Grimes would play 34 minutes and we'd draft him. If Grimes wasn't there, or if Barrett wasn't there, we'd see Hart playing 34 minutes a night or quickly playing 34 minutes and they'd all be really good fantasy players. But with all of them there, this is not enough minutes to go around. So that's going to make it hard if he is back there. Drakaris Levert. Drakaris. I expect that the Cavs bring him back there's some weird rumors for the Cavs today about Darius Garland being on the trade block. If they trade him and they don't get anything good back, they're done. Darius Garland's an excellent player and any team should be looking to get Darius Garland. He is awesome. If they, yeah, anyway, Karis LeVert is, we know the problems with him. He did show some improved defensive stuff last season, but it's the inefficiency that, that reigns so often. And the fact that he needs good players to be out of the way in order to get the ball that makes the team worse, but makes him better for fantasy that makes us want to steer clear. You got Malik Beasley, the Lakers have a team option there for about $12 million. He was putrid for most of last season. Yeah, he's okay, but he's never going to be a starting caliber guy. Dante DiVincenzo, I think, is. He's 26. He declined his player option. He's probably not back with the Warriors. He's a player that I think almost definitely changes teams and immediately becomes some sort of an impact on his team. Whether he's a fantasy guy or not, I I don't think so because I don't see a 31, 32-minute-a-night role for him. But in 25 minutes a night and a guy that always will step up, a la Bruce Brown, into a larger role when uh, an injury calls for it, then, yeah, he is a good player. The winner, Soldier Max Struess, he's 27. For a guy that was an elite shooter, he definitely wasn't that last season. I know he played really well against Boston, but it was putrid against Denver. He shot like 35% only from three for the season. He is better than this, but there's still a little bit of a crunch here in Miami with Jaime Huckers that maybe is in the rotation. There is Tyler Hero returning. There's Lowry. There's Vincent. Struess is probably somewhat gettable. He might end up in Toronto. I don't know. Oh, sorry. The Toronto in Portland. He's somewhat gettable, but probably not an interesting fantasy player. Joshie Richardson ended the season with the Pelicans. With the arrival of Jordan Hawkins, I'm not really sure where Richardson plays on that team. He's not going to be an impactful guy, most likely. And then we get to the second list of shooting guards. And this is why I say it's rough, man. Seth Curry, he looked cooked last season. I don't think that Brooklyn will bring him back. He is an elite shooter still, who can be a 40% three-point shooter. Maybe the Warriors bring him in, just as an extra shooting option to replace Dante DiVincenzo. He's not impacting fantasy. One guy I would look at is Jalen Noel. He's 23. The Wolves were sort of all up and down with him. Now, his shooting numbers were pretty bad. I think they'd probably look to bring him back, but he's just, when we talk about guys to take flyers on, It's him, and the other guy on this list is probably Shake Milton, who I think have got a little bit more upside than what they've shown, and they probably do need a little bit of a change of scenery. So I would watch Jalen Noel, especially if the Wolves do bring back Alexander Walker as a restricted guy, because that will further cramp what Noel can do. So he's a name to watch. Joshua Kogi, he's 24. The Suns will almost definitely bring him back and overpay him. We saw that little flash of shooting from him. It's not real. It's not something that he's been able to maintain at all, and we saw that fall well away. Lonnie Walker is 24 as well. Hello. You know my distasteful Lonnie Walker as a player, a guy that will come out and score 15 points in a quarter in a playoff game, which he did against the Warriors, winning them that game. And then did he even score 15 points total in any other, like combined for the rest of the playoffs? I don't think so. He can't do anything apart from score. He's a subpar shooter, defender, passer, rebounder, and he's wildly inconsistent. I would not pay him anywhere uh, he's no way that I would pay him $10 million a year. Not even close. He's not a starting caliber player. He's barely a rotation guy on some teams. I just don't value what he brings. That's that's me. Shake Milton, I said already, there is a little bit there with him. If he does go back to Philly and Harden's still there, then forget that. Shit, shit, shit. Shit, shit, shit. But he's an interesting player that I could see developing into a Jordan Clarkson sort of a guy who is useful for certain situations. He's, he's just one to watch do Diallo, I know he's listed as a shooting guard. He, uh, he's a center on offense, and it doesn't make sense for him to play on a team with Wiseman and Duran and Bagley and a bunch of other blokes that can't shoot. I know that Detroit loves him, and the fans love him for his hustle and his defense. That's all well and good. He makes no sense on that team whatsoever. He is an unbelievable athlete who yeah, can't really do anything else apart from dunk and defend. That has value in the right spots. Maybe... Okay. Could he go to to Denver? I could see him being absolutely unlocked by Jokic, to be honest, as a cutter and a dunker and a defender. Eh, Interesting. Troy Brown, age 23, hasn't really taken the steps forward that we thought he might sort of out on him. Terrence Davis is one I am in on, though, outside of some of the ship bloke tendencies that he has had in the past. Um, Buried in, in Sacramento, needs a new situation, whether they, like they didn't, I suppose they drafted Colby Jones to be a Terrence Davis replacement. I would be in on Terrence Davis as another team just to see what we can do. Small forward, we've got two really interesting names at the top of this list and then it gets disgusting. Chris Middleton's 31. I expect that he's back with Milwaukee, but I am very, very worried. Another off-season knee surgery that's two years in a row. Um, This is a knee problem that's been with him his whole career, and it seems to be catching up with him. I do not think we touch him at all in the top 50, not because he missed games last season, but because of the age and because of the degenerative nature it feels like of this knee. I just wouldn't want to trust him there. His overall numbers from last season aren't realistic to expect him to be that bad. But I do think Milwaukee finds a way to bring him back. Kyle Kuzma is almost, I would say, undoubtedly not coming back to Washington. And it does appear like he is going to be the target for Sacramento, and he will start next to Keegan Murray. Now, he won't, I don't think, have that same role that he had in Washington. And in the past, when he's been pushed into that smaller role, when he played with the Lakers and LeBron, he wasn't anywhere near as good as what he was last season because he doesn't assist, he doesn't get steals, doesn't get blocks. He's a subpar free throw and field goal player. And he's one of those guys that needs to be in a usage situation to get fantasy value. And I think if you're playing alongside Fox and Monk and Murray and Sabonis... It will hurt him. Now, I think it would actually hurt Murray a lot more because Murray has absolutely no aggressive tendencies in his game so far. And he'll just sit there with like 12 usage and score 10 points if Kuzma joins the fray over Harrison Barnes. Compare the offensive usage of aggression of Kuzma versus Barnes. It's very different. Now, Kuzma might not go here, but he, given the lack of forwards that are available and that are good, yeah, Kuzma is good enough and he is going to get a big deal. If he gets 30 million a year, though, that's pretty rough. That's bad, but we'll see. I've... Think it might happen. I think it might happen. And speaking of bad, rough, the world. You might think that I'm going to shit on Dylan Brooks. I mean, I am, but that's not all I'm going to do. He is an elite defender, he's also an elite level dickhead. And how do you balance those two things? You need somebody to get through to this bloke. I almost said a really rude word, but you need someone to get through to him and say, My guy. Stop with the bullshit with the ball. Stop shooting it. You are not that guy. In fact, as the kids would say, you are most definitely not him. You are whatever the opposite of him is. Stop it. Just defend your ass off. Be useful. Take open shots and don't think that you are the main character because you're not. That's his problem. I know that gets bandied about a lot by you Gen Zers is he's got main character syndrome. Like, bro, settle down. I, Dylan Brooks is—he's not going to China. He is getting a strong contract, and don't be shocked when it's over 17 million a year. Don't be shocked when he gets 70 million plus guaranteed, because he is a good defender. But you got to get someone into his head that go, "Bro, settle down. Who do you think you are?" He still can be a good player. Now, shit out for fantasy. Forget that. Terrible fantasy player. Never will be better. But he's still going to be a useful guy, and don't be shocked when he gets to another team and has a sizable contract. Herb Jones is a team option. I haven't heard on that. I think if they do decline that, they make him a restricted free agent, much like the Nuggets did with Jokic back in the day, enabling them to have match rights to sign him. But if they don't exercise the team option, or sorry, if they decline the team option, he's a restricted. If they uh, pick it up, then he becomes unrestricted next offseason. So I think that they'll probably decline it, turn him into a restricted guy. I actually think Jones, while he's still a great defender, you've got to find room for Trey Murphy. And he's the guy. Like, he's the guy that I think has to miss out. So I don't think he's going to push higher than what he was last season. I think some of the shooting stuff early as a rookie and some of the offensive competency fell away. And he's sort of, there's a little bit of the bloom off the rose of the bit we hear with Herb Jones. Jay Crowder, the original sometimes may be good. Yeah, he was trash. Like... He, speaking of main character syndrome, he thinks he's the the guy that swings playoff series. He was dreadful. I don't know that you want him in a rotation at this point. Tory Craig's gonna to get overpaid because of the Suns' problem I mentioned earlier. And Joe Ingles at thirty five, who showed some moments last season, I think the Bucks would try to bring him back, but probably more minimum versus the six or seven million he got last year. The rest of the small forwards, holy shit, team option on Lamar Stevens. I don't think he's a rotation player. The Cavs need to upgrade that spot. Najee Marshall, they got a team option on him. That probably turns him into a restricted guy if they decline that. Useful player, but there's literally no minutes in your lens. I'd try to get him as another team. I would. You know what, Anabe? Shot like 44% from three to begin the year and then trailed off and became back to what he was. He is still a useful piece who could be, like the way that Santi Aldama plays in Memphis, a guy that can be a backup four, can play some small ball five, can be a shooting, stretchy, defending forward slash big man. I actually really like him as a cheap option for a team looking for forwards when the market's pretty bare. TJ Warren, I, I think he's rooted. I, I, he's only 29 somehow, but I I think it's done. Too many injuries. The Suns will bring him back. They'll overpay to keep the contract slot. Kessler Edwards, another player that if I'm, Trying to find cheaper options to take a crack at, I believe in Kessler. Now, the Kings are going to bring back somebody. Maybe it is Kuzma. Maybe they bring back Barnes. And Edwards is not going to have that opportunity there. But he's just someone at age 22 who's got some size, defensive ability, shooting ability. He's someone I'll be watching. Terence Ross, I think is done. He's age 32. Danny Green at age 36. ACL, eh, don't know. He's a still a good player, but didn't really look at this year. Uh, Javante Green, knee problems ruined him. He should have been the bull starter is a very good defensive player. You don't have to pay two years, $10 million with a team option. I think you'd probably get him. And he's an okay enough rotation player. But look, that small forward class is rough. The power forward class isn't much better. It is listed with two guys really, really good at the top. And one of those is Draymond Green, age 33. Other teams are going to make a play for Draymond, for sure. I think in the end, he does end up back with Golden State. If he doesn't end up in Golden State, well, John Kaminga's value goes through the roof... If he is back with Golden State, it's just the same sort of stuff again, I would expect. And probably some more minutes for him at center with Chris Paul now in the mix. I would think that $100 million for Draymond seems about right. We'll see what they end up doing. Jeremy Grant is going to get overpaid. Portland is going to offer him full four-year maximum contract, almost undoubtedly. Would that be enough to convince Damian Lillard to stay? I don't know. Detroit apparently is in the mix to get Jeremy Grant back again. Okay, at least he's better than Isaiah Stewart there. And given that team, just part of my problem with Grant in Detroit was, again, main character syndrome. Like, you think you should be the number one offensive guy when, bro, you should be the third guy. And he did adjust to that and played really well in Portland. I think the shooting's fake, where he shot like 43% from three. I don't think he's that guy, but he adjusted to that role fantastically. And when he gets $130 million, which I think he might, it's an overpaid to a degree, but he's really useful for a good team. Harrison Barnes, actually, sorry, I'm rusty. The pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. He's just solid. They would like to upgrade that position, it feels like, with either Draymond or with Kyle Kuzma to bring him in next to Murray. But otherwise, I think Barnes will just return to Sacramento. He won't be a standard league draftable player, but he'll play his 32, 33 minutes. He'll have a little 10-game hot streak in the middle of the season, and then he'll f- fade back away, and he'll accept his role. As a guy that never blocks a shot but will hit 40% of threes and be a 12 point scorer. Useful player, very useful player. The Kings should have traded him about three years ago, but a very useful player. KJ Martin's only 22. They've got a team option. I don't know whether they decline that or what they do with that. He is uh, like a better Hamadou Diallo. A guy that can play the three of the four, has got more of an outside shot, but a really good defender, very athletic. Another one that at that age, yeah, I'd be interested in bringing him onto a, a, a good team. And using him like the way that the Bulls somehow used Derek Jones Jr. at times. KJ Martin's a way better player than that. And if he finds his way into a starting role somewhere, doubtful. But if KJ Martin finds himself starting somewhere, he is a standard league fantasy option, for sure. George Niang, age 30, very good shooter. Not much else. He's going to probably play behind Tobias Harris, but who knows? Is Tobias Harris going to stay in Philadelphia? I think Niang is going to get another NBA contract. I think Trey Lyles, the Kings fans, overrated him quite a lot last year. He played a little bit of small ball. He had some hot streaks, some cold streaks. He improved, absolutely no doubt. He was one of the worst players in the entire NBA to watch when he was with Detroit. Just horrible stuff. Improved somewhat there. Defensively got better. He's still not super good, and you wouldn't want to look at him as a starting caliber player. Jalen McDaniels. I still believe in Jalen McDaniels. A little bit of a weird spot with him in Philadelphia. But if you had to go into a season with Jalen McDaniels starting as one of your forwards, I don't think that it's bad. I think he's got shooting upside, defensive upside, some self-creation upside. I would be, if I'm a bad team with a hole on the wing, I would invest in him. I think he is still a player with value. You're talking about Miami's struggle at their power forward position. Caleb Martin's their guy. No reason Jalen McDaniels couldn't do what Martin did and it would be better than him. I really like Jalen McDaniels, and I don't think he's going to cost that much. And then that's where it gets rough. Like, Jeff Green is 36. I assume he'll be back in Denver. He can still dunk on people, but he's 36. Then you've got Jermichael Green at 33, who I thought struggled last season. Dario Saric is 29. Some okay moments for the Thunder. Probably comes back and plays, I'd say, ahead of Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I don't see anyone offering up big money for him. Keita Bates-Diop put together some okay numbers down the stretch in San Antonio, but that was with everybody out, and he's just really not going to be a key rotation piece. For really any team, no, I don't mind him. Derek Jones Jr., look, he's lots of opportunities, but never really put it together or stayed healthy. Wenyan Gabriel had some moments for the Lakers. He was better than Mo Bumba. We'll see whether they bring him back to be that backup center behind Davis. I don't really know if there's much upside there. Justice Winslow can't trust him at all to stay healthy. The body is just cu- uh, cooked for me. I-, I like what he can do, but yeah, I don't think you want to be prioritizing that. O'Shea Brissett, after that little run two years ago at the end of the season, he's fallen back into who we thought that he was. A unreliable player who can't really shoot or defend. And now with Jaris Walker there, there's really no upside path for him in Indiana. I don't see him as a priority guy. And then recently, the Wolves declined the option on Torian Prince, who is, I don't know, okay. Definitely not the player that we thought he might be when he had that little opportunity in Atlanta. But he's a rotation level forward. And there not that many of them. Like, he's better than Brissett, Winslow, Gabriel, Jones, Bates, Diop, Sharich, Green, Jeff Green. Better than all those guys. And probably don't have to pay a huge amount to get him. Three years, 20? With a non-guarantee? Maybe. You don't have to pay that much. He was on a $7 million contract this year, and they declined that. If that's what you need to get him. I think he's useful enough, like a just solid forward who can shoot a little bit, defend a little bit. No real upside there at age 29, but good player. And then we go to Centres. Brook Lopez, age 35, I don't know why he would want to go to Houston. I know they can probably offer him more money, but is that what Brook Lopez wants? I don't know. The Bucs need him, absolutely. You do not want Bobby Portis to be your starting center, because you will not survive. He can't defend. Lopez had the best season of his career. If he goes to another team, will he have that same ability? Like, will he do the same stuff? He might get more usage, but will the blocks be the same in a different scheme when Giannis is around to provide protection? Probably not. I think we'd have to bake in quite a level of regression for Brook Lopez after last season, considering A, it was an outlier, B, he's 35, and C, he could be on a new team. He is going to... like he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to go to Houston to chase money to maybe even like split minutes with Sengu. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Everyone should be asking about Lopez, but I, I do, I do think he returns to Milwaukee. The one that is interesting on the list is Yucca Purdle. He's 27. The Raptors, foolishly, traded a first-round pick to get him back. Under, um, with my understanding was they did that and they were going to resign it. But now there's a lot of word coming out like, hey, not, you're not paying up. Would I pay Yucca Pertl the same that I paid or the Bulls paid Nikola Vucevic? Yeah. He's five years younger. He's a significantly better defender. He is probably an equivalent, if not better, passer. He is a better offensive rebounder, equally good rebounder. He's a worse offensive player overall, like worse scorer, worse shooter, absolutely. But Pirtle is very good, and when you are needing a center, like if the Bucks don't get Brook, or Brook Lopez doesn't go, I don't know how. The, I don't even know how they could do that. Have to be some sort of sign and trade. But Pirtle would be a perfect replacement. The Spurs get him back to play next to Weminyama. Perfect combination. Purdle should have, and if, I hope I don't know if the Raptors are going to fumble this and they're going to go back to starting Siakam at center. They need to bring him back. He is worth 20 million a year, I believe, and he is going to be have a shot at top 50 fantasy numbers next season, depending on what happens with where he goes. Then after those two, it's like it's bad. Christian Wood, age 27, he's not coming back to Dallas. We have seen the Christian Wood experience: go on a bad team, get lots of shots, fantasy. People will start to love you. Go on a good team and you can't survive. It's as simple as that. He's a bad defender. He's undisciplined. He can be undisciplined offensively. No, he still can shoot, but much like with Dylan Brooks, you have to get in his head and be like, bro, just settle down. Pay attention. Defend. Do something. I almost undoubtedly would not be looking at him as a standard league player. The cockroach, Mason Plumley, I think the Clippers will bring him back. They only have Zubats under contract. Um, is he he's not better than Zubats? He'll play his 20 minutes a night. That little run of 33 minutes a night, Mason Plumley that we got for Charlotte, which it was obviously foolish at the time, that's done. That's never happening again. Dwight Powell, with Rashawn Holmes and Derek Lively coming in, does Powell return? He does seem like a Dallas legend. Um, and they still got JaVale McGee under contract, so they, do they need a fourth send up? Powell is like a like if they're gonna if they're gonna carve out roster spots for Theo Pinson for vibes, then they do it for Powell. A guy that Luca trusts a lot and if it doesn't work out with Holmes and Lively's not ready, then they can chuck him in. But I don't think other teams are going to be prioritizing him. Tom Bryant requested a trade so he could play. Went to the Nuggets and played zero minutes. Um, just horrible defensively. And again, one of those players, you're on a bad team and you're given an opportunity, the numbers can come and that will fool people into thinking you're good. Shout out to Bol Bol. But you're not. He just can't do it. The Any limited athleticism he had was sapped away when he tore that ACL. He still can shoot, but the defense makes him unplayable for a lot of teams. Drew Eubanks is someone I'd be looking at if I'm looking for a backup center. I think Portland should prioritize bringing him back because there are times you could argue that he's better than Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic has dropped off significantly and Eubanks is still a really good player. I would not yeah, He's not going to get big money, but he's the sort of guy that the Suns who are going to have with Jock Landale there, like, Eubanks is a good player. He can shoot a little bit. He can defend. Uh, I would be yeah ahead of Powell, Bryant, even Plumlee, maybe even Christian Wood, to be honest. I think Eubanks can actually be a useful enough player. You've got Bisbach Biombo there at age 30, who showed a few little things, but I think Landale's ahead of him. And then, man, the list of other centers here. There's a couple of names on the list that will be interesting. Chemezi Metu, 26. I still think Metu can be a rotation player. Kevin Love and Blake Griffin, both 34. Both played roles that were too big for them last season. Love, I guess, will be back in Miami and will play backup minutes, but him starting doesn't make sense. Um, Mo Wagner. He's he's an interesting player to me. I expect that he returns to Orlando and he is their backup center behind Wendell Carter. He he's a is an interesting efficiency player, pretty good there. Can shoot a little bit, can defend a little bit. I think Mo Wagner's fine. Like he's better than Bowl, he's better than Goga, who's on this list as well. And Goga's someone I would be interested in just trying out. He's 23 years old with a team option. I think the Magic pick up that team option and try to develop him and Mo to see who the backup center is. Uh, he's a he's a guy I'd be watching Gogo Badadze. I, actually, that gives me an opportunity because I don't know how many times I'm going to get to do this. The dart, Gogo Badadze. Problem with my Gogo mobile. Gogo mobile. No, not the dart. Not the dart. And then you've got Mo uh, Mo Wagner. I said you got Cody Zeller at 30. Yeah, maybe, but I don't really see him sticking on a team. Montrez Harrell's only 29. He opted out of his contract. Uh, Montrez, who's paying you? I guess he just was like, I've lost my spot to Paul Reed. Um, I want to try somewhere else. Maybe find a bad team that will give me 18 minutes a night. Montreus Harrell is... He's, I know he's not Kenneth Reed but the comparison's there because of the dreadlocks. But it's also because you have this little burst. You put up these big offensive energy numbers and then you lose a step there and your lack of defense gets you out of the league. And I wouldn't be surprised if Harrell isn't signed in the first few days of free agency because who, who needs him? Who wants him? Hmm. Yudoka Azubuke, one of the worst first-round picks in recent memory. It was terrible at the time. I went back and looked at my mock draft for that draft, and I had him at 59. He ended up going at 27 on a team that already had Rudy Gobert and maybe even Derek Favors at that same time. It made no sense. He's probably not going to get signed. And then the last one on that list is Goga Badadze, who I still believe, he's only 23, I still believe Badadze can turn into some level of rotation player. And that is your free agency preview. Now, by the time you listen to this, some other guys might have extended. We might have had some decisions on player options and team options. I apologize for that. There will not be a show tomorrow. I'm going to take that day off, but then we'll start off on Friday after the first day of free agency with recap shows and then heading into a summer league preview and then I'm off to the States and there'll be some shows. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do some stuff on some dynasty sleepers, some statistical correlations, um, some guys who took big steps forward from last year, just some stuff that's a little bit more evergreen in terms of fantasy content. So that's what we're going to be doing in the weeks uh, coming up when I am away. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, you thumb it up and you leave those bloody comments down below. Yes, Obi. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.